afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, whatever time it may be when you're listening to this. Welcome to another episode of the Chapcast with me, Mike Chap. Uh, today we're going to be touching on some subjects that's going on right now in the world. Um, I have the opportunity and pleasure to actually know someone who's starting a movement in the city of Atlanta. Uh, his name is Mr. William Townsend. Uh, he is one of the leaders and founders of the Preachers for the People movement that is going out and protesting for the rights and the privileges of black and African Americans. And he is going to join us today to kind of talk to us about what's going on with the protest, how it got started. And also, as you listen, there's a background between me and he, but we'll get into that in a minute. Thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, uh, we are here with our guest today, Mr. William Townsend. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, for a few minutes. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, Chapel, thanks so much for allowing me to jump on to this podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity. As uh, before mentioned, my name is William Townsend IV. I am um, the organizer and leader of Preachers for the People. I also pastor in the Fayetteville area at the Overflow Church. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, to be exact, Michael Chapel is actually my high school uh, video production teacher. I was his favorite student despite popular beliefs, and he was, in fact, my favorite teacher. So I'm just glad to be. I'm all about justice uh, for both the community, our people, as well as being the vocal voice uh, for the millennial church. Okay, so usually on my podcast, I like to kind of talk about funny stuff, and, you know, I end with some kind of encouragement. I know the stuff we'll talk about is serious as well, but just a, a funny reference back to... The first day, me being an actual teacher in his class, uh, he almost gets to a fight with somebody in the classroom, uh, calling <laughs> somebody about Oprah and all this other stuff. So that's kind of like what we went into. But I will say uh, he was one of our main anchors in uh, what we did in our video production class. So we're going to kind of get into it. We want to kind of break this up in some sections. Uh, first, let's kind of talk about what you're doing right now with what's going on and you know just kind of tell us what made you want to start like the preachers for the people because i mean aren't all preachers supposed to be for the people well you know you know as as sadly as it is um the bible says and not to be extra deep or intricate but it says how can they hear without a preacher how can they preach lest they be sent mm -hmm. um there's definitely been a breach in contract a breach in covenant between pastors and the people um, at some point, uh, we've forgotten our main assignment. The old songwriter said, to serve this present age, my calling to fulfill, and that's to do my master's will. And so we, we've gotten aside of that because our own agendas and platform have become priority and the people have become secondary. Um, you asked the question, what made me get into this? Chapel, to be honest with you, a few weeks ago, uh, I was actually working. I run a funeral home, Hope Funeral Home out in Fayetteville, Georgia, and we were traveling back um, from um Truton County down south on 16 and myself along with two of our other drivers were actually pulled over and racially profiled. Um, as you can imagine, we were at our, our, the climate of our culture as a people was at the peak. We had just, um, you know, begin to go through the process with the George Floyd situation, not to forget Amar Arbery. And in the middle of uh, Truton County, I was pulled over by a sheriff. He pulled me over real quickly. He said he pulled me over because he got word of three black Cadillacs uh, speeding up the road. 
uh, breaking through traffic. And then he stated that he also traced all of us going at 87 miles per hour with the middle car going the fastest. Now, I don't know much about algebra, but the little bit that I do know, mm -hmm. if in fact the middle car was going the fastest, it would have ran into the back of me. It would have ran into the back to the back of me. Yeah. And you know, so so man, it was at that moment I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. I felt that my life was in the hands of somebody that did not care. And man, so to have that opportunity to witness it firsthand, um, I, I felt that it was imperative and important that the church stand back up and be that beacon of hope and light to not only our culture, but to those protesters, let them know, hey, listen, we're willing to forsake our pulpit, what's common and familiar, to get out here with you because we know firsthand, you know, what has what's happening and what's happening. Okay, so so what about people that, you know, we have a lot of people now that don't, you know, they don't go to church, they don't really, they really, they, they say they believe in God, but they don't believe in, you know, church per se or whatnot. Like, how do you think this kind of influenced them with seeing you out there just among the people, because I know a lot of times people get this deception of ministers or like, you know, man, they up in the pulpit, so like they up above us. But really, the thing, you know, to be like Paul said, I became, you know, all thanks to everybody so I can win one. So like, how do, how do you take this as, you know, this is also an opportunity for me to like even a witness mechanism, or, you know, just to encourage somebody. Like, how do you, how do you do that even in what's going on now? Because now, people are like fearful. Like you talk to little kids, some of them are like scared now. And like, they, they haven't even really experienced. They're just seeing the information on the news. Right. So, so, so the truth behind that is, uh, Chapel, um, we use this opportunity, like I said before, to let them know that we're in this with you. Um, our generation, um, this, this new generation coming up, we're, we're built off relationships where the older generation, their success was based off connections. So whoever they were connected to, that determined where they went, right? Mm -hmm. Our generation is based off relationship. That's why we use the endowments such as grow, sis, pop, unk, because it's centered around relationship. And so as younger pastors, especially, because we have firsthand opportunity and witness to know what it takes to feed our generation, or to minister to our generation, we maximize those opportunities. It's easy to get up there on Sunday morning and ask them for their tithe, but the same breath you use to ask them for their tithe, give them that same courage and love and support when, they, when they're out here in the community, you know, uh, bark, not uh, embarking upon these opportunities to, uh, to, to, for, for, for justice for not just our generation, but the one that's to come, the lives that have yet lived. And so even in those moments when we're down there, I, last week I had opportunity to have a family meeting with Dr. Bernice King. And it was a young lady. She was a rapper. She actually came out of Church of God in Christ. And she's 34 now. She said, you know, Will, um, I grew up in Church of God in Christ. She said, I've seen some of everything. She said, but you know, what hurts me the most now, she said, I left church. She said, but what hurts me the most now is nobody is praying for the protesters. Mm -hmm. Nobody is down here um, checking on us to see how we are feeling. The only time they come down here is when there's a camera or a press uh -huh. opportunity afforded to them, you know? And so preachers for the people, we're, we're, we're basically making it known, like whether there's a camera or not, we still here last week when, um, when Rayshard Brooks lost his life, I was down there in the middle of all of that mm -hmm. from, from, from the state patrol being lined all up on, um, uh, 75, 85 to the burning of Wendy's when they are accused in saying that black people did it. I was down there for that. And, you know, just my presence alone gave them a hope. The church 
gives the community hope. When, 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 when the community is hungry, the church is expected to feed them. When finances are tight, the church is expected to, you know, rest. that's scripture. Yeah. You know, for us to be, he said, bring the tithes of my, that there may be meat in my house. That meat is not just for the pastor to eat good, but it's for the community. It's for those believers, that body, you know, to, to benefit together. Yeah. And so giving them, the, get, letting them see our presence, you know, letting them, let, when the church is silent, Hope is stagnant, Chapel. Mm. When the church is silent, hope is stagnant. So what the basis lets them know is uh, the hope that we're supposed to preach and teach you is subject to the climate and what's going on outside. When church is bigger than four walls, church is bigger than the cross and the ring on our finger, most of Jesus' ministry was done in the streets, mm-hmm. <laughs> the highways and byways. That that's that, And so preachers to the people, that's what we are. We are doing the effective ministry of Christ. When we're out here with these people as they walk the grounds, praying over them, even praying for the police officers. You know, so. Yeah. so so let me ask you this, because you kind of brought up the points of, you know, even when you're saying like, you know, for the tithing and bringing it to the storehouse, I think this kind of sets the tone for, okay, so you're not in the church. Most people are not in the church building right now because of, you know, the coronavirus. You know, that's a whole different topic that people don't believe that is real and all that mm-hmm. other crazy stuff. But, you know, it is what it is for who believe what you want to but I think this is kind of a point where it's going to show that, okay, man, my pastor ain't taking all the time because mm-hmm. that's not what's happening, especially now. It's like right. they, they still have to realize they're still like the people are still asking for the rent for the building. They're still asking for the utilities. But then at the same token, you're able to kind of do more outreach now. But when you brought up a good thing about people being out praying, and one of the things I always think about is what do you tell the people that, Everybody, I, I just feel like this. You tell me what you think. Everybody is not made to go out and protest, but there's something that you can do to help. So, like, how do you, how do you like kind of define those roles? Because you know, older people, they can't really be out. You know, people with underlying health conditions, they're like, you no, know, at this time now, it's not really as safe to be out. But talk about the different roles you guys may have set up to like. Everybody's not out there protesting who's for preaching for the people. I'm sure. There's like other people who's doing work. So like, how do you like set that up? So how we set that we have a we have a so you first you mentioned the older people. What we did was we use we 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 didn't want to move without having wisdom. Mm-hmm. So we have a board of advisors that you that we basically utilize their wisdom, their advice, and their guidance because these are people that have that have put their time in um, to making sure you know to get us to this point right here. You know, to be able to have the freedom to vote and and so forth, and even though that's suppressed and that's you know configured and monopolized, you know they did their work. So we can't expect their physical strength, but their mental strength is still there for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we utilize that, but then we break up our because we break up our our entity uh, to the point to where everybody's gift is maximized and utilized to the best of their ability. Uh, one gentleman in particular, he he tells me all the time, Pastor, I have a Malcolm X spirit. <laughs> so because we know this, yeah, you won't put him out there in the front. We don't put him in the front line, but he, this is what he do. He support us to donate cases of water. We did the big march on uh, about two weeks ago downtown Atlanta. He provided us with over, I think, it was ten cases of water. Um, just you know, dropped it off at our office just so that you know the people are hydrated and the community the community is hydrated. Yeah. So you know, we just we, we you know test the spirit by the spirit at the same time learning taking time to learn the individuals that's connected to us because everybody connected does not have a that does not have our signature to actually be out there. Some people don't have what it takes to be on the front line. If they have underlying health conditions, you can't do anything else. Just pray for us. Yeah. You know, but we put them in perspective places 
to uh, to where their gifts are magnified and you know used to the best of their ability. Okay, so just kind of kind of wrap up a little bit. What's the encouragement in this? Like, as we keep seeing things going on, like you know, um, the young man that was shot at the Wendy's. Um, then even with social media, you just see so much stuff now. And I know for a lot of people, they're probably thinking like, man, I'm just tired, man. Because if you keep watching it, you get tired. It's kind of like my background is working in the news. <clears throat> when you work in the news, you can go from a story about somebody got killed to like something good happened to somebody in less than five minutes. So your emotions are like up and down. So you kind of learn to kind of like, hey, man, don't get attached to stuff. But like, what's the, what's the way to encourage people, even though like this seems like, man, what good is this going to do? Like, how do you encourage people to keep on and, like, knowing that if something's going to make a difference? Matthew 13 is one of my favorite uh, favorite books and chapters. And real quickly, what it talks about is separating the wheat from the tail. The Bible says, while you were asleep, men came amongst you and, and, and sowed tear in the middle of it. And then they asked the question, should we separate? He said, no, let them grow together. And when harvest time comes, they'll separate. But you keep doing your part. Whatever your capacity is, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through protest, whether it's through, you know, of course, I want everybody to get out there and vote regardless of how you feel, even if you don't like Biden or whoever it is, mm-hmm. vote anyway. Um, I believe the next person will put us in a better predicament than we're in right now. That's just a disclaimer. You know, play your part, <laughs> play your role, get active, you know, uh, get down there. These people that you put in office, they work for you. The houses they live in is because of our taxes, because of our money. So you got to get active. You got to stay relevant. You got to stay up to speed. You got to uh, continuously educate yourself. But most of all, Chapel, we have to stick together. We have to stick together. So out of everything, I would say, you know, know, know who's in your circle. Know who you're working with. Utilize your benefit. Utilize your resources. Join join something positive. Be, be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And and that is the thing is, like, everybody has to know what your role is. I know you talking about the guy. Who really wouldn't be out in front because you know somebody be done did something to him and but he be done jumped on him that'll be something different. <clears throat> you don't you don't want anybody to turn negative, but like people know like you know what they can deal with and what they can. And that's always good, and you just have to be realistic with yourself. Um, <clears throat> just another thing, to kind of talk about as being young, even as seeing young people now and the level of disrespect that some young people just have. Period. Like how do how do you guys look at you turning that around? Like even how you were saying you have names of people like, hey bro, the big thing now, like young people like, hey bro, like they don't mean it's disrespect, it's just a uh habit of theirs, but you know, as older people it sounds like, man, that's disrespectful. I don't have a name. Like how do you reach the young people to say, Hey, we're gonna go out here and do this? There has to be a certain level of respect that you use. So like how do you deal with that? So we so we constantly have those conversations, you know, at the same time, we also encourage our more seasoned people that in order for change to happen, you have to be open to it. You have to understand where they are. You know, we spend time with them. Of course, there's a lot of things that they do and say that I don't agree with even being in the same age category. But I have to understand. You ain't that young no more, so stop trying to. I, like I, you know, I know. Listen, uh, you know, I'm 30 now. But exactly. Listen, but no. But but you know, just I just have to really take that time to to understand it because a lot of people when I was down there last weekend, I know we gotta wrap it up. It wasn't so much of being down there to see the protests, but and not even to be a part of it, but to witness the people because people thought they were down there just acting, um, just acting out. No, it was uh-huh. so much hurt down there, it was so much pain down there. Rashard Brooks was a part of his community. 
This boy was raised in that same area. He was stayed two minutes away from the very place he was killed and murdered. So these were people that that community was like a family. You understand what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. in order to understand where they are, you must be willing to meet them where they are. But at the same time, boundaries have to be set. You know, so I definitely believe in spending time with these people. I, I told a pastor the other day, he was giving so much feedback on Facebook, but yet you have yet to go down there and spend any time with these people. Mm -hmm. And these are our people, you know, so you have to, you know, you have to be open um, and willing and accessible to understand that we believe a change is going to come, but you're also trying to minister to a knuck of you buck generation. Yeah. Somebody who were on a fight first instead of talking. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You know, we'll, we'll fight first and ask for apologies later. Exactly. And <laughs> nowadays, like, with stuff going on, like, we have to learn not to do that. Well, I want to appreciate you for coming on. And any closing words that you'd like to share? Any encouragement that we'd like to end with some encouragement, even though things look gloom and doom, but things are going to turn around like anything you want to leave with the people? My favorite, my favorite psalm is Psalm 27. Uh, at 13, it says, I had fainted, except I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and not the dead. Then it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, wait I say on the Lord. David is one of my favorite characters. He lets them know, listen, I'm at a place, I've been in a place, I'm going through a place in my life where it seems gloomy, it seems dark, he said, but on the other side, I'm choosing to believe to see the goodness of the Lord, watch this, in the land of the living. What he meant was, I'm not going to die to see the promises of God. I'm going to live and experience the promises of God. He said, but here's the part you got to be pay very careful attention to. He says, you have to wait on the Lord. In other words, trust the process. Be of good courage. Consider your posture. Watch how you carry yourself. Wait, I say on the Lord. Though it's delayed, it's not denied. So I want to encourage every listener uh, now or soon to come that even in the middle of a pandemic and a pandemic, we're fighting COVID-19 and, and, and corrupt police 2020, Watch this. God is still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask to think. Faith without works is there. So while we put in the work to match our faith, God is going to blow our minds. All right, man. We appreciate it. We'll have you on again once we start seeing, you know, the the results of this, uh, what we're planning. And we'll be glad to have you on again. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, chap. Talk all to you right, soon, man. All right. All right. Later. In the end, it all goes back to this. Black lives do matter. Our lives do matter. We know that. But in the end, we have to remember, this is not something to be fearful of. Never would I have thought that I would live in a time where I would see things that are going on now. Um, I believe racism is really being exposed at this time more than any other time. But in all that, we have to keep in mind, God is not surprised at anything that is taking place now. He knew what was going to happen. He knew when the right time it was for it to happen. I just, you know, I, I pray for those families who've been affected by this. We are all affected by this. But what you have to do as a human being is just continue to trust and believe that God will make a way for you, that he provide a way out and a plan of protection for you. We just have to be able to hear his voice.